Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. Tell 10, 15, 20, 30 of your closest friends that you want them to listen right now. 30 friends. Tell all of them about the show. Pat Ryan is our guest on the show today. The Vol Network radio football analyst for Tennessee football games. Fresh off of the thumping of the Missouri Tigers. Heading into the South Carolina game. Had a lot of conversation with him about just sort of his role. How it's evolved over time. How the game has evolved over time. How the quarterback position has evolved over time. Uh, his thoughts on Neyland Stadium. Very interesting thoughts on Neyland Stadium. Uh, interesting thoughts on Josh Heupel, the coaching staff how that program is developing over the course of the season. So really fun conversation with Pat Ryan coming up uh, on the show today. Ratings and recommendations a little bit later on, as usual, after our conversation with Pat. However, Steve, this particular podcast happens to be brought to you by Jaspers, the next evolution of the sports bar on West End. You know, there's free parking, there's great food, there's great ways to watch and enjoy a game while you're having maybe a cold beverage, an adult if, beverage. If Jaspers was a fantasy football player, it would be the, the all-purpose back. Because not only is it good for business lunches, it's great for cocktail hour, it's great for weekends, it's great for watching the game. They have drink specials, they have a sit-down dining room, they have a game room, they have a patio, they have a bar. They've got all different types of menu items. So literally, Jaspers is redefining the term system quarterback, basically. <laughs> they, 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 are, they are all players in all <laughs> systems at all times. Does that make sense? Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. Would you like me to continue with this metaphor? I mean, no, no, no. I mean, you're doing great on it. I'm just going to be over <laughs> here listening. Uh, so go to Jasper's. The, the parking is free. The food's good. How about that? That's great. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. So ratings and recommendations coming up a little bit later on. As usual, however... Let's get right into it here because Pat is is a fascinating dude who's got fascinating experiences, everything from the Titans all the way through to his current job with the Tennessee Volunteers. So without further ado, our conversation with Vol Network's radio analyst, Pat Ryan. Pat, great to see you on the show this week. We really appreciate your time, man. I uh, hope things are well. Good to see you. Oh, everything's good. Thanks for having me. So uh, obviously coming off a weekend where a team scores 62 points, you feel a little bit better uh, about how things are going. Uh, just in general, just this this transition for you back to Knoxville, just are you having fun? Are you having a good time? Yeah, I'm having a good time. It's uh, college games different, you know, it's different doing college games than it was when I did the, the Titan games. Uh, one thing is they last a lot longer. I mean, <laughs> they last forever. I looked up Saturday night and they had they had a three hour window for the primetime game on ABC. And I thought that is the most optimistic thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, it is. But, you know, the thing about the NFL, I mean, unless some screw happens, I mean, you're you're out by three hours and 15 minutes tops. So but the college game. Uh, they just seem to have more commercials and more more stoppages and things like that. It just lasts longer. But yeah, I'm having a good time. Well, I, I was going to ask you to start this entire process. You you played a lot. You played a lot of football for a long time, and you then decide at some point that broadcasting is something you're interested in. What, what take us back to the beginning and and why that was something you were interested in in the first place? I never really gave it 
much thought, and I really wasn't interested in it, to be honest with you. <laughs> Mike Keith was here in, in Knoxville, and he was doing high school, Friday night high school games. And so we'd done a few things for UT, just, you know, call-in shows and things like that. He asked me if I wanted to do the color with him on the high school football. And I said, well, yeah, sure. Sounds like fun. I like Friday night football. It's great. So we did that for a couple of years. And then uh, about that time is when he went to Nashville. And so I didn't do anything for about a year. And then he just out of the blue calls me up and says he's going to be the play-by-play guy for the Titans when they open up in Nashville at the new stadium and wanted to know if I wanted to check in and maybe do in color. And like a dummy, I said, oh, yeah, sure, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, know I had no, you know, I had no clue. I didn't know how radio worked. I didn't know, uh, didn't know if I would be any good at it. But so we just kind of kicked in that way. And next thing I know, you know, five months later, I'm doing a call in the Super Bowl. I, I was going to say, and your voice ends up on like one of the more iconic uh, radio calls in the, in the team's history. Yeah, that, that was just dumb luck right there. <laughs> I tell you, one thing, Mike, Mike and I always had really good chemistry. We had a good feel or he had a great feel for when I was going to talk and, and when to let me talk. And, and that call that we did at the, the Music City Miracle, you know, we were just like, boom, 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 boom. I mean, it really came off clean, but that that was that was luck as much as anything. Now, now did you? I believe Mike told us this story. How, were you the one that was like deathly ill the week of the Super Bowl or week before the Super Bowl or something like that? Like, was that you or was that? I know he got sick too, but. No, he was sick. No, I was fine. Okay. I was I was ill because we were in Atlanta at the Super Bowl, only Super Bowl I'd ever been to, and we're iced in. You can't do anything. I mean, it was miserable. <laughs> so that's why I was ill. Pat, I, I've got a, a question about kind of the pro game versus the versus the the, the collegiate game. The, there's been an evolution in in the collegiate game pretty severely here over the last 15, 20 years. When you're coming into the, uh, when you're coming in to, to call these UT broadcasts this year, what are you seeing now that you, that you didn't, that, that you didn't see in, in the college game beforehand, or maybe that you saw in the pro game beforehand? How is, how is it different? How does it differ now than it, than it did before? Yeah, it's, it's a lot faster game than it was before. It used to be uh, a lot more defense played, offenses played a lot slower. Uh, the pace of the game was just completely different than what it is now. Everybody uh, is flying up and down the field, trying to score as many points as they can. I mean, even your traditional defensive football teams, Alabama and such, I mean, they're, they're going to give up points too, which never used to happen. Except for Georgia, apparently. Except for Georgia. <laughs> uh, except for Georgia at this point, yeah. You, you talked about not knowing anything at all when you got started and sort of just it, – it, what have you learned over 20 years? that, that give, give young broadcasters the, the thing, the two things that you think you've learned over that time that, that man, I, you wish you would have known you know, back in 2001 or whatever. Well, I think in my role, the, the most important thing is – uh, if you're going to speak, have something to say. Don't just talk to fill up time. And second of all, learn how to get in and out. And you've got to make your point, and it's got to be something 
coherent and, and applicable to the to the situation, and then you got to get out because you got another play coming. When when you talk to when you talk to a lot of professional broadcasters uh, who are doing that full time, they, they've got a they've got a lot of preparation on their plate. They're watching a lot of tape. They're watching a lot of uh, they're watching a lot of other games. You've you have you have you have split time between doing other things, uh, kind of in, in your in your daily life, and then and then uh, jumping into UT broadcasts. How do you prepare for for a game, and how much how much are you watching, and how much are you are you able to kind of kind of download before a broadcast? To be honest, I watch zero tape. I don't watch anybody. Uh, you know, I'll go over the the reports that you get the first of the week, the other teams, you know, depth chart and, you know, some points about what they've done offensively, defensively, that type of thing. It's same thing with, with Tennessee's team. But my thing – my style of calling a game it is and always has been. Um, I'm not there to talk about. See, when you're doing TV, those guys they've got to fill in with stuff, and so they they talk about other. Well, when it's radio, I mean, you're calling the game, and so uh, my style is just to open up and talk about what I see, and and hopefully relate to people listening on the radio, give them a picture of what's going on. What what happens in a game that is 42 to three, like 42 to 10, like, like Tennessee had this weekend. What, what happens then when the picture is people already kind of know what that picture is. And, and you mentioned TV has to have all these other things prepared to sort of fill in for that time. What do you, what is your plan? And what's as a broadcast team, how do you guys go about that? Now, Tennessee, as, as we an don't alum, get many of those, I was going to say <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, that was a new deal the other day. We didn't have a clue. So, uh, you know, I understand. Yeah. That when it, those games are hard to do, uh, when when they're out of hand, because you you run out of stuff that uh, that makes any sense or that even anybody wants to hear. Now you you got to have some stuff in your back pocket, and Bob always has got a bunch of things. Brett Hubbs has a lot of different facts and background stuff that you start filling in at that point. When you were looking at the at, at the team coming up this year, uh, new coach, new situation. What were your what were kind of what were kind of your expectations for for this team and for how you thought that you're going to be able to that, that what you were going to bring to these broadcasts? Well, the first thing that concerned me was well, a lot of things concerned me. I, when I looked at the team, I mean, this is a team that's uh, was decimated by transfers and and guys leaving for one reason or another. So you're down. Your talent was is really way down compared to what it was last year. So I expected uh, Heupel to figure out a way to score points. Uh, he'd done it everywhere else. I didn't see a reason why he couldn't do it with us, even with lesser talent. Uh, I thought defensively we were going to be horrid. I mean, I thought it was going to be, you know, if we could just get the other team to punt a couple times a game, we were going to be in good, <laughs> you know, going ahead of the ball game. So, but uh it's kind of been a nice surprise in that the defense is a lot better than people expected. Uh, and a really nice surprise of this Tennessee team has been that uh, the way they play the game. They play hard. I mean, they get after it. And uh, uh, they seem to be enjoying themselves. Now, uh, has it all been great? No. But, I mean, you can see it. You can see it evolving. The offense especially. Granted, Missouri wasn't very good the other day, but the offense uh, executed so much better 
uh, than they did the week before against Florida and the week before that. They're, they're starting to get it better. So I expect them to be fairly competitive with uh, a lot of our uh, schedule. Now, a few of them, I think, will probably kill us dead, but that's, you know, that's to be expected. <laughs> you know, it, you talk about, like, like going to work with the Titans and work with Mike, and, and certainly there's a relationship there, but you didn't really have a lot of ties to the particular team that you were kind of working for and, and calling. This is very different. You've got, you know, d- deeply rooted, you know, ties to the university and sort of, you know, a background and, and feelings to go into that. I think personally, as an alum, I think that Saturday was very cathartic for a lot of Tennessee fans to watch that that thing go on. How, how much do you allow yourself to sort of fo- kind of fall into that role as well? Like, you know, the fans are listening and enjoying themselves because they, they've, they've been craving this type of performance for so long. Do you allow yourself to go into that sort of fan former alumni kind of deal? Like, do you allow that to happen on purpose or do you just, or does it happen naturally? What's the thought process there? There's no thought process. I I don't go in with a lot of thoughts, period. I mean, it's just just what comes out, comes out. So it's just kind of what happens when, when, when things get going, I catch myself, which I always, I don't like guys doing it. I don't like me doing it, but I catch myself using the we word a lot. (laughs) Yeah. All this we stuff, and I guess on it, it, since it's our broadcast, it's a Tennessee broadcast. Technically, that's okay, but that's not something. That's something I try to stay away from. But at, at times like Saturday, where you're just flying up and down the field and just you know boat racing them, uh, it's hard not to get into that. This this year has presented kind of an interesting thing for for fans because there's a, there's a quarterback situation. Came in, started with Milton, switched to Herndon. But, that's that's your wheelhouse that's you know that's the position you played that's what you know that's what you know intimately what do you what are you looking for from the from these kids and 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 how are you trying to trying to uh how do you let people know kind of what their progress is kind of week to week because it, he looks look he looks like he's kind of grown into this offense he's getting a lot more comfortable uh the passing game especially with him you know when he's trying to figure out where to throw it or what to do with it is is so much smoother than it was three games ago. He's starting to feel it. He's starting to get a handle for, you know, where his receivers are going to be and, and the type of ball that he needs to throw. And uh, he's just uh, – he's settled down. I mean, you know, the first game or two, we had, we had – I mean – we had guys throwing the ball all over the lot. I mean, I, you, I never seen flock shooting like that in my life. I mean, <laughs> guys open, they were overthrowing about 10 and 15 yards. I said, I mean, that, that's not even possible. But I guess they were just so juiced up and nervous that when they, they kind of held the ball too long every time they did this, and they'd spot the guy, and it's like, oh, God, i got to throw it. So they try and throw it out of the stadium, and, and that just didn't work. Well, Hooker has settled down. I saw him the other day. He was he's starting to get the ball out of his hand quicker. Uh, he's not sitting there holding it, waiting for a guy to break open. He's uh, he's being able to throw it better now, like he's supposed to, instead of waiting to see the guy come open and throw the football. Because if you do that, a lot of times it's just too late. You played the position as we just talked about. But but also we've talked about how different the game is today, defensively, offensively. It's just different across the board. W- what part of your 
your history and your background can you pull on that still applies today in sort of like the new the new version of the quarterback position? And what stuff do you look at and go, man, I, I can't relate to that as much? Does it, does that make sense? Like, what, what's still yeah. the same about the position, and what's different? Well, it, it's it's still the same. You see some mix-up coverages that I never had to deal with, you know, zone underneath, man behind. You know, they'll mix up coverages now and then. And that's just to confuse your quarterback and to get you to throw it to someplace where you thought you saw something else. But for the most part, uh, it's still, regardless of how many defensive backs or how many people or how many wide receivers, uh, it's pretty easy a lot of times to decide between man and zone coverage and you know from practice that week, I mean, we've got, you know, say you've got your flooding the side, you got two wide receivers and a running back or their H back flooding out that way. Uh, it's no different than what I did with just maybe two guys because it's the same coverages and uh, you do the same thing with the football. Supposed to anyway. <laughs> Does it give you a chance? And I don't know if you, because you said you don't like using the word we. And I find it charming when a guy can be like, "Well, that's not how that's not how I saw it." Or when a guy can say, "That is how I saw it in my day." Do you find yourself doing that, where you see a play and you just kind of go, "Man, that that definitely is not what safeties used to look like when I was playing," or whatever? Do you find yourself uh, doing well, that? Yeah, you, you see that. Uh, you see it more. I saw it more so when I watched professional football then because i can compare apples to apples there uh they do a lot of different stuff than they did when i when i played essentially uh it was it was an easy game i mean if you're talking about reading coverages and things like that because there's only about four or five coverages and that's what everybody ran and they were easy to you could walk up to the line of scrimmage and you say okay i know you know so i know where i'm going that Buddy Ryan showed up with Chicago and he started running people everywhere. He just ruined the game. I mean, <laughs> at least for quarterbacks, because I mean, it, then it got a lot harder. Zone blitzes, guys coming from everywhere. It got a little tougher, but really in, in college, I mean, I can sit up there and look down on the field and I, I can tell you pretty much what they're doing. One of the advantage, I get, advantages of being the the in-house broadcaster is access to the team. Uh, have you gotten to know, uh, have you gotten to know any of these kids this year? And does that help you at all when you, when you, uh, if you have, if, does it help you at all when you get behind the mic? You know, I really haven't had a chance to, to get to know any of the players. I've been to a number of practices, but uh, you know, I'm there to watch them. They're out on the field. I don't really have much, uh, you know, interaction with them. I have gotten to know a lot of the coaches because we meet with them on a regular basis to kind of get, you know, feel what they're thinking and what they're planning on doing the next week and things like that. So uh, those are some some tidbits, you know, meeting with the coaches is really a lot more beneficial to me than watching tape uh, because I get an idea of what they're looking, what they're thinking and how they're thinking about attacking things. And, whether they're moving a guy to a certain position for certain reasons and, and whatnot. So, do, do you, you talked about how much this team fights. I think it's obvious, how, how, you know, buy ins and other cliche that we all use in the media to talk yeah. about what it looks like on the field. But I'm I, trying I, to figure out another word for buy. We need to, something to buy in. You want, you want cult? You could, I got, I got a lot of, I got a lot of cliches for it, Pat. What do you want? You want culture? Do you want, uh, no, I don't want culture. I, identity? Do you want identity? <laughs> 
I, you know, I'm trying to figure out a way to say that the guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing without the buy-in. I mean, well, know, how about they like playing football together? How about that? There you go. Uh, yeah, it's as good as anything. <laughs> so, how how what is what is the trick there? Because again, that's what it it does feel like. Although we joke about all the cliches, but it does look like that with this coaching staff and this roster. So, wh- what is the trick for for a coaching staff to sort of create that that environment? Well, I tell you, I think the trick with these guys. I mean, they coach him hard, uh, but they don't chew on him. I mean, they, you don't see them. It's not like the old days or not even last year or whatever. I mean, they're not cussing players on the field and they're not, you know, dogged guys. They're coaching them and they're coaching them hard and getting them to do what they want to do. And, and, and certain coaches coach different ways, but they're, how do I say this? They're a lot nicer than any coach I ever had. <laughs> and, 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 and the young guys, they appreciate that. It is, and the thing about it is that's kind of a, a, a trick in treating your players like that. You don't want to be buddies with them, but you treat them good and make them feel good about themselves uh, without beating them down to try and get them to do what you want to do, I guess, if that makes any sense. That that kind of cult, to use that word, cultural <laughs> piece. Culture, yeah. Uh, but, but you're right though that culture is a lot different than uh, than when you, when you played when you were in school versus or even at, i mean did you even have a high school coach that was like that i mean i, I imagine your high school coaches were probably similar to that kind of old uh, old oh, style yeah. that, that kind of yelling that yelling sort of piece of it do you think that that is a complete shift and that and that we're going to see those the 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 yellers and screamers are largely going away well i think you you know you're always going to have one or two on your staff, you know, whether it's your, it's usually your offensive line coach and your defensive line coach or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I think, you know, kids today are, I mean, you know, they've evolved. They're completely different uh, than we were. Uh, they come in and uh, they're used to being treated well in high school and they want to be treated well in college. And uh, Heupel's staff is, um, they got a lot of younger guys on that staff, and he's young. And uh, so he, I think he's got a good good feel for how they want to be treated. And he'll treat them like that until they try and take advantage of it. And that, that's the key, is treat them like that and then not get to the point where they try and take advantage of it. Because kids, you know, they'll get, they're going to do – whatever they can get away with most of the time. So uh, my, my four, my four year old agrees with that. Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I, mine were like that. Every, everybody's is like that. It's just, uh, and so it's a, it's a heck of a trick to, to coach like that and create that culture and still get them to line up and play hard every day. It's a good trick. Well, yeah. Uh, let, let me know when, uh, when you, when you figure it out, cause I can use <laughs> it uh, with the parenting. Lamestream Steve Cavendish is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by Jaspers. The next evolution of the sports bar and the perfect place to go after a hard day of work if you'd like a cold beverage and to watch a sporting event. And and eat good food and not pay for parking. Exactly. The free parking. Very, very key. <laughs> As I told them when they signed the contract, I'm going to mention it in every single advertisement. <laughs> it's going to be a part of every single ad that we ever do. Because maybe it's very important. Well, maybe it's just important to you. I, I disagree. 
Everyone in Nashville appreciates free parking, okay? Everyone in the world. This is true. Nay, the world. Steve, are there some new flavors emanating, wafting from Jasper's? Whole, there's a whole bunch of new seasonal treats there at, uh, at your favorite uh, Next Evolution of the Sports Bar on West End. There's a pumpkin spice cupcake. Uh, there's ice cream sandwiches with ginger molasses. Uh, there's a creme brulee cheesecake. Whoa. Uh, and, yeah. And then the, the one that I'm the one that I'm I'm going to get in there and try maybe this weekend is the Mexican hot chocolate cupcake. The only thing better than creme brulee is creme brulee cheesecake. I, I'm a big fan of creme brulee. I'm 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 a long time creme brulee guy, as as my as my shape may indicate. And <laughs> I feel like I could argue that every everything is better in cheesecake form. Um, I think I could argue that. Uh, you know, you'd have a case. I don't know if I'd agree with it, but you you definitely have a case. Like chocolate, pretty good in cheesecake form. Strawberry. Pretty- Pretty good in cheesecake form. Maybe better than an actual strawberry. I was just to say, better in cheesecake form than an actual strawberry. See what I'm saying? I've already, look, there's two right there. <laughs> now, are you pro-pumpkin in your coffee? I'm not pro-pumpkin anything. Really? I'm, I, I am, man, you know, it's funny because there is a dedicated, there's a dedicated sphere of people that, <laughs> that as soon as Labor Day hits and everybody's pumpkin spice stuff gets rolled out, they're like massively celebrating like they're, you know, they're headed to their favorite unnamed massive chain coffee shop to <laughs> to hit, you know, to to avail themselves of to all inject, the to inject spice. themselves with lots of sugar. Yes. To to inject themselves with, you know, fake Italian sure, names yeah. and whatever else. And that's fine. But good God, I don't want that stuff. So that's I do what, not I do not like it in my coffee because I don't like sugar in my coffee. Um, I, I like I like a lot. I like a latte for sure, but just no sugar, no flavors. D- don't don't pump any of the weird fake sugar that you're talking about into my coffee. Just give me some coffee that tastes like coffee. Sort of like my booze. I like my booze that tastes like booze as well. Um, now I will say this along the lines of what I was just getting at. Have you ever had pumpkin spice cheesecake? It is delicious. Shout out to a good friend of mine, Eric, who makes a just baller pumpkin spice cheesecake at Thanksgiving dinner, and it is fantastic. See, so. I, see, I am much more, and this is why I was, I was really, uh, really excited about the uh, the the list at, at Jasper's because they have a sweet potato spice cupcake. Ooh, and I think that to me, sweet, sweet potato means fall to me. Pumpkin spice doesn't okay. necessarily mean fall, but sweet potatoes that that's what the, that's what signifies fall for me. Okay. I, and maybe it's the color. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, I just love sweet potatoes. They're you know. not like, what's the difference in a sweet potato and a yam? And I don't yeah, know. Ba- they're the same thing. Yeah. And, and pumpkin looks basically the same as sweet potatoes. Like a pumpkin pie mm-hmm. versus sweet potato pie really isn't all that different. Yeah. I, I mean, we can, we can, we can table this for, for a later, <laughs> later discussion. Cause I've got, I have lots of feelings about pumpkin pie and how overrated it is. I would go, I would go again. I would go pecan pie over pumpkin pie. But I would go pumpkin cheesecake over pumpkin pie. I'm telling you, if you've never had that kind of cheesecake, it is fantastic. Megan, no. Megan Williams, come on. Where are you at? Make some pumpkin spice cheesecake over at Jasper's. Go to Jasper's, everybody. <laughs> what were the conversations and what were the thoughts? Like, what, what did you weigh when, when you had the opportunity to come back and work for, for your alma mater? What, what was the, did you talk to anybody? Did you reach out to anybody? And sort of what were, what were your thought process uh, on deciding to do the job or not? 
Well, when I quit doing the Titans a number of years ago, um, I always thought that, well, maybe they'll bring me back at one point or another. And I was kind of, it never happened. Frank Wycheck took the job and was there for a number of years. And, and then uh, they switched over and it, it never happened. So I, I, a number of years ago, I essentially just, you know, that's okay. I mean, you know, I'm just I have my Saturdays to my own, my Sundays or whatever it is. And, and don't worry about it. And then Tim Priest decided to retire and they put the bums rush on me over there trying <laughs> to sign me up. And I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I really, I hesitated for, you know, a couple of weeks. I, I initially turned them down, said, no, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been out of it too long. I don't need to get back in it. And, uh, I, what really got me in it is my wife. She goes, well, you don't do anything on weekends anyway. You know, she wanted her Saturdays to herself too. <laughs> yeah. All you're going to do is miss, you know, miss a day of golf or something, you know, and that's not going to kill you. So, uh, she, she said, yeah, you know, it's not going to bother me a bit. You know, go for it. So there I am. I'm interested in the, in the, in, uh, stadium kind of atmosphere, especially this year with having fans back after, after fans not being there this year, what have you, what's nailing like this year? Uh, it hasn't been full. No, uh, it hasn't. And uh, do you think they're going to get back to it being full anytime soon? No, I don't think that's going to happen, personally. Uh, I hate to see it because it used to be that having the biggest stadium was a really badge of, you know, where you're at. Like Michigan or Ohio State and us, and I don't even know who's got the biggest stadium. But that used to be a big deal. Now, personally, I think those big stadiums are kind of dinosaurs. I don't think they're ever going to fill up again. Just too many different ways to watch the games uh, the expense is through the roof for, for a lot of people can't do it. Um, so I, I think, you know, if you, if you can get you 80, 85,000 people, you gotta have, you got a good crowd. And it's so much be sad. It does, but it's, you know, it's, I think the best atmosphere that that place has seen, uh, in quite some time was, uh, Gosh, was it 17, 16, 17? Oklahoma game. Yep. Yep. I was there. Yep. That now that you remember the atmosphere there, that was wild, wasn't it? That that is the loudest I've heard that building in 20 years. I mean, it was something. And uh should have won that game too, by the way. <laughs> but sissied out on the first drive of the game. So but uh but I don't think, you know, you're gonna see some 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 good crowds and some good atmosphere. Uh, but you got to have a product too. I mean, you can't walk around with a five and seven football team and expect to have a full crowd or even 80,000 people. Do you think that with that hypo offense, you're going to, they're going to bring more fans in. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an exciting team to watch right now. Even, even as down as they've been. Well, I think, I think uh, no doubt because people want to see points and our offense has really been weak for quite some time. Uh, you got a lot of people that they don't, they don't care if they get beat 65 to 55. They see 55 points. I mean, they're entertained. You know, that's just the way it is. That's what I said before. I thought we were going to have more games like that, and we might eventually. But uh, 
our defense is so much better, playing so much better. So, like I said, we're actually making them punt a few times a game. And then, but watching watch you score points and, and going fast, people people like that. Now it's hard on me because we're trying to call the game on the radio, and there's not much time to say anything. You know, after Bob calls the play, I mean, we're on to the next one half the time. What is Bob Kessling like off the air? What is Bob Kessling like off the air? He's kind of like he is on the air. I mean, he's Bob's a good guy. He's now he he's all business when it, it, it comes time to do you know do the broadcast. Uh, uh, he doesn't uh, doesn't put up with a lot of nonsense, which I'm full of it. So I know I drive him crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what? Did has there, you... has, wait, hang on. Has there ever been a, a moment during a commercial break where he looks over at you and he's like, "Come on, dude." Like, like we, has that ever happened? No, he, he doesn't, he doesn't do it like that, but I, you can all, you can, it's not hard to tell when he's irritated, when he starts, <laughs> you know, kind of going off the rails a little bit. <laughs> Jeff Francis and I do a, a, a show with Bob. It's a Tennessee show and we get over there and Jeff and I start, I mean, we'll get, we'll start cutting up and like I said, going off the rails and you can just look over Bob and he's just kind of looking straight ahead like, for these idiots, please shut up. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, did you talk to Tim at all uh, before you took the job? No, no. I mean, I talked to Tim all the time because I used to do the pregame show with them over the last ten years. So, but as far as taking the job, no, I, I didn't. Uh, I knew what I knew what the job was like. I mean, I didn't need to to uh, get Tim's impression on it, and uh, it. Uh, so no, I didn't. What is your what is your favorite part of game day now in this role? What's my favorite part? Uh, halftime? I, I don't know. It, it's uh, I like I like talking offense. I like I I do that when I when I get a chance to do that. That that's my favorite part. Now, like I said before, this offense moves so fast that I've had to kind of adjust uh, the way that I'm normally done it i've got to you talk i talked about getting in and out well i've got to have it in my head what i'm going to say and get in and out and when i make points that i feel like are good points and really mean something that that, those are my favorite times do you walk in do you walk in with with notes about a team or notes about the game that day and, and you're like all right i want to make sure that i try to talk about this receiver, or I want to try to talk about this thing that they're doing uh, schematically. Yeah, I'll make, I'll, yeah, I'll make, I'll make a, I'll have a few notes. I, I have a chart with the, you know, all the players and all that stuff. And I've got little spaces in there that I'll, I'll jot some notes here and there. A lot of times I'll, the, the game will be over and I'll look down and I go, you know, I didn't even use this thing, you know, and just throw it in the trash. But then there are a lot of days that uh, there's stuff there that, that uh, nice fill in things. So I want to give you space then here on this show to tell people what what like that kind of stuff about this offense. We we know it's sort of a one read and throw kind of offense. They want to go with tempo. They ran the ball extremely well against Missouri. Normally you don't have a lot of time to sort of like you just said to to get a whole lot in in between snaps. What do you want people to know about this offense now with as much time as you want to to, to explain it? Well, this offense is it's set up if if you watch them close they spread the field and, and a lot of people put a lot of receivers in the game, but they, I mean, their receivers are out wide. And so that's, they want to run the football 
keeping all the defensive backs out out past the boundaries. That way, you don't have guys in the box. It makes you know, that that's how, how they run the football because there's no tight ends. You don't have a fullback. You don't have all that stuff. So that's how they're going to run the football. Now, when they throw it, you'll see a, they throw a lot of outside stuff. And you see a lot of passes way across the field, which is scares me sometimes. <laughs> but uh, uh, but it uh, what makes that work for them? And if you watch closely, their wide receivers really block. They block for each other. I mean, when they're throwing that ball that's wide right, the other guy that's out there is locked up, blocking, giving the guy a chance to catch the ball and, and move on. But this offense is set up to run the football and throw the ball deep. That's essentially what it is. Uh, they are looking uh, – I can't tell you how many – games that I've, I've watched Tennessee over the years that you'll say, well, we didn't, we didn't take it down the field one time because maybe they didn't think they could beat them down the field. Well, this staff, they are trying to create some meshes and things outside guys getting a little pick here and there and going deep. They're trying to create as many explosive long ball plays that they can. And uh, that's why you saw, uh, you know, the first game we played uh, in the second game, we had a lot of guys open deep, and they did a lot of that through their mesh points and all that stuff with their wide receivers. We just didn't hit any of them. But you hadn't seen them quit trying. So this 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 is a running – this is a 50% running football team. In fact, it's been probably over 60% to this point in the season. They want to run the football, which you would think that – you know, wide open offense, you're going to, they're just going to throw it all over the lot. Well, that isn't what they're doing. What they're doing is setting it up where they can hit the home run. Does that work in 2021 against teams that have better defensive front players? And I, and, and, and I don't mean just Georgia because we all know how good Georgia is. But if you're going up against a team that's got talent in that front seven, is, is that where this offense has to adapt? Yeah. It, well, you're going to have to, since you're going to have to get better. You, you know, you, it's just you can't you, you talk about Alabama and Georgia, their front seven. I mean, just take their front four. Uh, they could probably do a pretty good job of stopping your run with just those guys. And when you run into a situation like that, uh, then you're in some deep doo-doo. I mean, it's just not going to be a fun day because you can only do so much in the passing game when there's six and seven guys in coverage. You know, it's just uh, – and that's when you got to, you know – you need some collect some better athletes, you know, some, some better linemen, guys that uh, can match up with them, pick up a little more speed outside to where they can separate, and you can still get you some long balls. Uh, but playing against Georgia is, uh, I, I'm thinking about just taking that week off personally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think all the offensive linemen across the country agree with you on that. On that, I'm telling you, they they're home wreckers, man. I, they got a bunch of dudes up there that just maul yeah. you. Yeah, uh, Pat, man, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. We really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to hear you back talking balls and talking football again. And uh, we get, we appreciate you telling, uh, giving us some time to tell your story and uh, enjoy the rest of the season. Thank you. I right, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Pat Ryan there, of course, from the Vol Network, covering the Tennessee Volunteers, the radio analyst for the team, the football team up there in Knoxville. And I I do love his general approach to life, which is I'm not going to watch tape. I don't prepare a whole lot of notes. (laughs) 
but I know exactly what I'm looking at. And I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to know about what's happening. And, you know, there's lots of different ways to do it. And his approach is, is, uh, is fascinating. I think he does an excellent job. I think he's got some great experiences to pull on. And uh, I think he's a good, he's a great fit for that role uh, after Tim Priest stepped away. And the thing I like about uh, the thing I like about him is just the absolute sort of no bullshitness of him. <laughs> just yes. the hey, uh, are we going to see Nayland Stadium full again? Eh, probably not. What he said about he's, Joe Milton, where he's like, "I've never seen someone throw a football ten yards past an open receiver. <laughs> That's not how you're supposed to do it." <laughs> uh, like, how does I, that even happen? I mean, he's uh, he's he's a lot of fun in that role. If you haven't had a chance to listen to him on the broadcasts, uh, you know, you know, flip on flip on your radio. It, you know, he and Kessling do a really good job on the uh, on the calls. Uh, he's just he's just a breath of fresh air, and I I really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, Pat, what was it like to have to call a giant blowout against Missouri? Well, we haven't had a whole lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a lot of practice doing that <laughs> lately in Knoxville. So and might and might not have many left on the schedule this year. So no, it's yeah. uh, they, although they're they're playing better football. So we'll see. Maybe that Kentucky game, maybe that Ole Miss game, uh, are actually winnable for that team this year. Maybe a winning record is in store as Josh Heupel's team continues to buy in. So uh, ratings and recommendations, Steve. You want to jump into ratings first here? Let's do ratings as usual. Tennessee Titans, number one, according to Mark Binda, News Channel 5. Each one of these ratings points is about 11,000 TV homes in Nashville. So you guys got all the disclaimers there. Jets and Titans, woof of a football game. A football game I would like to say that I didn't watch all of, but I did. 29.3 rating. Number two, and this is where you were most interested, it was, of course, Tom Brady's return it was hyped up all week on across all the networks, you know, um, in the NFL. Every everybody camped out their their pregame shows and and special packages and whatever else in the in the in the parking lot at Foxborough. Bucks at Patriots. So twenty nine point three was the local team playing uh, a football game that I, like I would rather bathe in sulfuric acid than watch that game again. What do you think the number was for Tom Brady's return, Bucks Patriots Sunday night primetime NBC? 20 i'm gonna i'm I guess it's in the 24 range whoa nashville did not uh make you happy then 18.2 oh no 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 see that see that that makes me very happy because we don't like tom brady (laughs) because we did we didn't we didn't all tune in for tom brady and i I said this i said this on twitter and got a lot of oh yeah testify man uh the (laughs) there's there's no worse there's no worse feeling than than if your team absolutely sucks in the opening window i mean just absolutely lays an egg and then you have to look up on the you have to, you look up on the uh, on the schedule for the sunday night game and you realize that it's going to be the networks just absolutely blowing brady and belichick for three and a half hours there, well, there's th- especially when chris collinsworth is on the broadcast <laughs> i mean but we're, you're just like talk about oh. oral servicing <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's just, I, I was, I was, yeah, I was yeah. dreading it. I half watched the game. I, I, I found other things to do. I, I did. I really enjoyed watching Mac Jones though. Like I, I really enjoyed actually watching the game. Now I had some fantasy investment there with, with Brady, but, uh, yeah, they definitely shoveled the, the Brady thing down our throats for a week and a half. That's, that's for sure. Number three on the list, Steelers Packers, two huge brands, of course, a 15.5. So almost as many people watch that game, which was not particularly, you know, it wasn't a great game, 
Um, but it's two big brands in the in the afternoon window, and and they fifteen point five is almost as much as the Brady Belichick reunion poll. Yep. Um, SEC in at number four again, another SEC team, and not Tennessee, but SEC on a, on CBS, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, and Alabama. Not a close game at any point on eleven point five. So people definitely tuning in to watch Nick Saban destroy his his protege. A lot of hype around that game. A yep. lot of hype around that game. Uh, Did not I'm deliver. Not, <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, no, I, I'm not surprised uh, that 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 got, that got a big number. I mean, it's Alabama, which has you know maybe the second largest fan base in the state. Uh, yeah, and certainly in in the mid state. Although all those people that used to wear T's in the '90s are now wearing A's, I guess. So uh, NFL number five, Eagles and Cowboys, a nine point five, wrapping up your top five in your ratings for the weekend. So there you have it. One thing to pay attention to, I mean, th- this report was out in, yeah, I read it in The Athletic, there, it, was, it was in a bunch of different places. And if the NFL in general is up, it's up like 20% this year, uh, year over year. Some of that some of that mirrors the, you know, just everything was down last year in general, because uh, people didn't like, didn't enjoy watching football without fans and stadiums. But but it, it's, it's sort of back this year, which I think is, I think is really interesting and also kind of gets rid of the NFL cultural narratives that are around ratings. Uh, you know, the, the, the people that like to slam the NFL for saying, Oh no, it's woke football. People are turning away from it. A- actually. No, nope, you know what, nope. ha- you know what happens? People, t- people just go back to football and, uh, and Hey, That's look, more people, more people are watching this year. So yeah, yeah, no question. Um, all right. So let's get to recommendations here and I've got an actual recommendation to throw out to you, but, but I, I think I should, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention that on the cover of the Nashville scene is a a average mediocre story about Porter road butcher. I mean, it's terrible. Written by by an average. It's barely in English. So (laughs) how many words did you, did you throw down uh, to your editor about the Porter road butcher story, which is a great story, by the way, you should check it out. Uh, Thanks. It's about 4,000 words. So Porter road butcher, as everybody knows is over there on uh, over there on Gallatin Pike started as a butcher shop. Two guys who were, who were chefs wanted to, wanted to just bring better meat to Nashville, uh, and started doing it really small. And now they're really big. Uh, and, and so the the story is about how their the business has changed and how they've gone from a butcher shop to a an enormous, enormous you know direct to consumer internet operation uh, that is just it's amazing. the The thing that that I was most kind of interested in and and this came out in the reporting you know big meat controls like you know 70 percent of the packing in in the in the united states and there's a big big explainer on it but nobody's really happy with it uh and there's some people some venture capital and, and some people that have joined their board that are that are really saying look these guys have a chance to kind of change the way we get meat in this country and not in a big way. I mean, they're not, they're never going to have 25% of the beef market, but if they have 1% of the beef market, you know, of a $66 billion market, all of a sudden that begins to really, really start to change things. Yeah. Maybe if we had healthier food, we'd be a healthier country. Just throwing it out there. Maybe, Come maybe. On. Come on, big meat. But there's some good, there's, you, there's some great stuff in there. Um, you know, Chris Carter and James Spicer, who are, yeah. who are the, the two main guys behind it are really, really good human beings. Uh, and I, it's been fun to kind of watch their, it's been fun to kind of watch their success. Yeah. I used to, used to 
go order there all the time during the pandemic. It's it's an excellent little shop, and now it's a really, really, really big internet shop. Uh, all right, good story by you. Check it out on the scene. Now, my my actual recommendation here is the documentary from HBO that came out, I, I think, a couple of weeks ago, last week, maybe. I don't remember exactly when, but it's on HBO Max, and it is titled The Way Down. It is about the Remnant Fellowship Church and... Gwen Shamblin, uh, right there on Franklin Road, just south of Concord Exit off I-65. I drove past that area every day during high school. And just uh, just bizarre, frankly, to... No, number one, the story, the people, the church itself, all of that stuff is bizarre. The reporting on it is interesting as well because of a plane crash that happens where all these people that are key figures of the documentary die in a plane crash while they're editing and producing the documentary. So they have to sort of change on the fly as to how they're going to approach it there. It spoiler alert. It, the only three episodes there's, it's definitely to be continued. <laughs> so there's another part coming in the spring. Uh, it is like, it just gets worse and worse and worse. It, it, you start out thinking, okay, this is a little weight loss scheme. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And all of a sudden there's a, there's two children who are dead and you're like, what the hell just happened? So I definitely uh, it's weird watching your own city though being portrayed in a in a really high level HBO documentary seeing you, the roads you know and the streets you know and the neighborhoods you know it's just it's very it's very creepy to see all that. It's interesting there is some really good local reporting uh that shows up in there. There's some old Phil Williams clips that show up in yeah, there. Yeah. Uh there so Bob Smitana who was at the Tennessean at the time as as a religion writer uh but he is um he is one of the main guys at the religion news service and one of the best religion writers in the country uh, had done a bunch of work on them as well. Uh, you know, this thing has been a mess for a long time and has been really scary for a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see the, the HBO, you know, spotlight getting, getting flashed on it because I think it'll, it'll, it'll just kind of widen out the number. I think, I think a lot of people knew that the knew that it was bad news, but, I mean, man, and it was the thing of it is it was so pervasive, you know, you know, the, the weight loss program was marketed at women in churches all over the, you know, all over the, the, the country, the world. these books, these, you know, and these books were, were mainstreamed and, and seemingly, you know, you know, seemingly normal sorts of self-help kind of, kind of pieces. And, and this is not in the documentary, but I can add this because I've got friends who live near it, who can like see the top of the steeple who live there. And they have been trying to purchase property all around this place for a long time. And lots of people living in houses together like it. And that stuff's not in the documentary. So it's <laughs> you got if you live in Tennessee, you need to watch it. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You, need to watch, you need to watch it. And uh, but but be prepared. It, it's not going to be an easy watch, especially in the third episode. That that was a that was a tough one to, to sort of to get through. Um, but I am excited to see the where it goes and. Of course, Remnant, they, they issued a statement, and that's all they've issued is a statement. They will not be interviewed for anything, of course, um, as to be expected. So we'll see what the second series, second part looks like. <laughs> it should be it should be interesting. All right, Steve, uh, lighten the mood a bit, please. Uh, sure. How about how about a Showtime series on the decay and fall of the uh, of of a of a small town in uh, the Rust Belt? How about that? Is that, is that light enough Super. for you? Super. <laughs> So, so there's a so there's a Showtime series called uh, American Rust. Jeff Daniel is the is the is the main character. He plays a sheriff uh, in a decaying part of Western Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, it, small town small town Pennsylvania 
not much in the way of jobs. It's a really high unemployment, um, huge drug problem in the area. The it's based on a, a Philip Meyer book. It has some great people kind of behind the scenes, uh, including John Dahl, uh, who has who has directed. Uh, I think I'm four episodes into it. it, it it's ongoing right now. Uh, I think he's directed all all four episodes right now. He, he's directed a ton of stuff, in movies in like the '90s, including like The Last Seduction and Rounders. And then he has done directed like. Your fit, name your favorite prestige television show. He probably directed an episode of it at some point in the last 20 years. The writing in it is fantastic. Jeff Daniels is great. I mean, yeah, he, he is he is really, really great. I mean, he's getting to that point in his career where he's smart about the rules that he picks, but he just he, he has he has such a presence and he has he has that kind of increasingly kind of craggly face that <laughs> That that when he's when he's playing somebody like a small like a small town police chief uh, who is in over his head in a murder investigation that he has ties to, it, it, you're just you cannot help but watch him in every single scene. Uh, the, the supporting cast is really good. Uh, Mara Tierney's in it. A few other people that that you're going to recognize, but it's just it, it, if you if you enjoy like great writing and it's, it's shot beautifully. It's shot in Western Pennsylvania, you know, kind of down in those. You know, down in those hollers and hollers, and and yeah. hills and is. Let me ask you this: Is because I, I I've watched recently in the last year we've gotten and we've mentioned it on the show, Mayor of Easttown, of course, which is mm-hmm. sort of a, a, a small and and I and I come in all truth, I, I come from sort of a Midwest Rust Belt family. Like I'm my family's from Indiana and Wisconsin and sort of that Midwestern. My grandparents are from Nebraska, so I have like a Midwestern b- background. But I, I feel like it's having a moment right now, like Crime of the Century was a really important documentary about poor, you know, sort of the poor areas of West Virginia and how the opioid epidemic is affecting that mayor of Easttown, the Steve Carell, Rose Byrne political comedy about the small town mayor race or whatever in Wisconsin. And now this show, it does feel like the Rust Belt is having like a moment in our, in our thought processes, maybe about, about culture. Am I, am I wrong here? I mean, I think it's, I think it's important that we tell these stories. You're not wrong. And, And in the case of like American Rust, you know, it's that kind of classic combination of like the jobs have largely left this area and the thing that's moved in is fentanyl and yeah uh you know oxycodone and and, and other and other drugs and kind of the 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 tension between between all of that it, it's it's just it, it's so well written uh and and so well shot i i I'm I'm very very excited to kind of see how this does next year in the Emmys. I, I think it'll do really well. I think Daniels okay. will, will be kind of rightly he like I said he's to that point where where almost every role he's he's doing now he he's getting accolades for it. And I think that that's that's what happens when you build up a career full of like really amazing performances, just, just bangers, <laughs> just, yeah, just <laughs> absolute bangers from Jeff Daniels. There's no question about it. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's, I, I think it's, uh, I'll have to go check it out. I have not seen any of it, but I, I love, I'm sort of into studying that part of the country, a little bit of my past. And also uh, Jeff Daniels is pretty good. So, I'm, so all, I'm all in on that. It, it, it's on Showtime. And so if, if you're like me and you're kind of like, you like hop in and out of services, we hopped in to watch this and to catch like the last half of the, of the season of billions. And there's a couple of other things in there and then we'll hop out and, and go back to HBO for some other stuff and hop around to Paramount and a few other places. Billions, a very similar plot and storyline to American Rust. 
Very relatable characters. <laughs> Very relatable between characters. Salt two, of the earth people. Between those two shows. Um, just make the Mets wins ga- win games, okay, please? That's all I ask. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, Steve, uh, special thanks to Pat Ryan for hanging out with us as well. Steve, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Scavendish. Braden, where can people find you? At Jaspers. Anytime there's a good football game or a reason for a business meeting or an afternoon cocktail, I will be at Jaspers. If you'd like to follow me on the social media platforms, at Braden Gall on Twitter, at Braden D. Gall on Instagram, at 440 Sports on Twitter, and hopefully never on Facebook. But technically, it's there. <laughs> technically, it's there. Yeah, you, want another, you want another quick recommendation? Read read the, the Facebook files from the Wall Street Read the Facebook Journal. files or go watch the 60 Minutes piece because oh God, it's holy terrifying. fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. Get Delete all the apps. Delete them all. Except for the podcast app, keep that one. Especially, and then go to Jasper's. Especially if you have a, if you have a teenage daughter right now, go delete Instagram immediately. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. All right, Steve. Uh, special thanks to Pat as usual. Steve, you're wonderful. We appreciate it. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. Go to Jasper's. The food is great. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. And always plug them into your fantasy lineup. That is for sure. Thank you guys all for listening. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.